0: Yes! It's a good day to get jumped into the butterfly. The more power you have. Watch what the market does. Is that a support area? <laughs> this is the Trader Talent Show. The markets usually are going up. You talk about T zero line lift. Wonderful. I don't really want to be in that trade. <laughs> that sea of death right there. Volatility is through the freaking roof. Right? <laughs> hey, welcome everybody to our Ultimate Income Trader Informational Webinar. Before we get going, we would just like to first remind you that this presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker-dealers or financial advisors not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that your risk in trading options is substantial, and be sure you are aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. Also note that we may be using hypothetical computer simulated trades. If we do, they are believed to be as represented as possible, keeping in mind that live results can vary significantly from... Hypothetical for many different reasons. Uh, everything we're doing today would be hypothetical, by the way. Okay, so let's just kind of move forward. Today, uh, Stephen Hammett and I are going to be discussing the Ultimate Income Creator Workshop that we had in Boston and that we're releasing today. So uh, first of all, welcome, Stephen. Ahead, everybody. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. I, the market is on fire today. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, what else is there? Right, I know. who right up there. Any of these down moves, you've got to buy them for sure. Um, right. But anyway, I have a small slideshow that I'll share with you, and I know Stephen has a slideshow as well that he'll share with you a little bit. You may be asking, what is Ultimate Income Trader Workshop? And why was it created? And what's in it for you as a trader? Well, one of the challenges that I've seen that many income traders have is that they don't truly understand what they're trading. You know, they might know what the Greeks are, and they might know how to read a price chart, and they, they may even know how to look at an implied volatility chart, but they don't really have a clue about what to do with it or what it means. Yeah, you know, I often equate this with uh, reading an altimeter on an airplane. For those of you who may not know what an altimeter is, it's a gauge that tells you how high something is, like an airplane, for example. And anyone who can read a gauge could look at an altimeter and tell how high their airplane is. So. If an airplane is flying around at 10,000 feet, anyone can look at the altimeter and see clearly that you're flying at 10,000 feet. However, that does not imply that the person knows what the gauge means, because it does not mean that you're 10,000 feet above the ground. It means that you're 10,000 feet above nominal sea level. That being the case, the person may think he's perfectly safe flying along at 10,000 feet, and he may have flown around at 10,000 feet for years without a problem until one day he's flying along at 10,000 feet, and bam, you know, he crashes into the ground. Well, what the hell happened? A 14,000-foot-high mountain is what happened. right? The person reading the gauge may have known how high the plane was, but he didn't know how to put that number in the context of what's going on around him. He thought he knew what he was doing. He had experience working with it very successfully, and this made him overconfident. I mean, why bother looking out the window? My gauge says I'm at 10,000 feet. I'm perfectly fine until, of course, you're not, which results in disaster. And so it is with implied volatility. You know, we've got a ton of people out there talking about implied volatility, saying that knowing your implied volatility is the answer. Or sometimes they talk about the Greeks, and they say knowing your second or third or fourth order Greeks is the answer. And I'll be like, what? You don't know your second and third order Greeks? Well, no wonder you're having problems. Learn those, and you'll reach the promised land. Hallelujah, there's your promise. Now, the reality is, is that you or anybody can make a ton of money in options very responsibly simply by looking out the window and observing the landscape without even looking at gauges. I'm talking no Greeks, no analytical graphs, never even knowing what first order Greeks are never mind what second- and third-order Greeks are. So, you know, if you are continue looking for this more advanced stuff and you're not making money, you know, there's, there's a problem there. You have something else going on, right? There's some other issue with your process. So that said, many of us choose to trade in a way where we're relying on Greeks and where we're relying on a T plus zero line. And, you know, a lot of us might ignore technicals in the news, and solely rely on the gauges. Now, when we rely on our gauges, we need to know a few things, right? We first need to know how to read the gauges, and then we have to have a general idea about what the reading means. I think most of us know how to read the gauges. Most of us know that delta is the amount of money you make or lose with a dollar price movement. We know that gamma is the amount by which delta is expected to change over the next dollar of price movement in your asset. Theta is the amount of the position Theoretically gains or loses in a day. Vega is the amount the position gains or loses with a point of implied volatility change. Right? Most of us probably know that. But what many people don't realize is that these numbers are completely theoretical. They describe the result of something else. And for the most part, traders don't have a clue of what creates those results. So for example, I often hear traders say things like, the value of my position changed, which is another way of saying the extrinsic value of my options changed, because the implied volatility has changed. And I've even said that myself in the past, right? But that's not what I mean, because I know that statement is completely backwards, because your options did not change value due to implied volatility. It's the other way around. Implied volatility changed because your options changed value. And there's a huge, huge difference between those two statements. Saying that your implied volatility changed because extrinsic value of the options changed is like saying that I eat too much because I'm fat. No, you don't eat too much because you're fat. It's the other way around. You're fat because you eat too much. You know, being fat's the result And until I truly understand that that's the case, I'm never going to lose weight. I'm not going to know how. It's the same thing with IV. I can't expect to be able to understand and predict implied volatility by looking at an implied volatility number because implied volatility is a result, which means if you're Depending on implied volatility to do certain things in order for your trade to work out, you'd better understand the forces that determine the implied volatility because that's the only way to really make meaning out of the number itself. So the thing that actually determines an option's extrinsic value is not implied volatility, and it's not time, and it's not theta. The thing that determines an option's extrinsic value is market demands. The extrinsic value of an option gravitates to the point where the buying and selling demand on that option is neutralized, period. It doesn't matter how far you are from expiration. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. All the Greeks in the applied volatility numbers, all they're doing is they're making an attempt at logically explaining the emotionally driven price of an option. They're a result. They do not create value. So your question should be not what is implied volatility doing, but rather what is determining the buying and selling pressure on this option right now and what has to happen in order for that to change. So that comes down to two things. It comes down to fear and greed. And if you know anything about fear and greed, you know that they're not logical. They're emotional. What this means is is that the Greeks that you're looking at, they're trying to logically explain an emotional behavior. And for those of us who are parents of teenagers, we all know how well that works. <laughs> My point is being that rather than expecting an option to change value according to its Greeks, realize that Greeks are simply a measurement or the result of buying and selling pressure on an individual option. So in Ultimate income Trader, Our goal is to fully understand what specifically drives option prices at specific strikes. And to do this, we look at the players in the market. What are their roles? How do they think? How much influence do they have over price movement? How much influence do they have over implied volatility? What time frames do they influence? What makes them greedy? What makes them panic? By knowing these things, we can understand why extrinsic value and therefore implied volatility changes. But even better than that, we can look at the implied volatility levels, and tell what the major participants in the market, the people who are driving the market, we can tell what they're thinking, which in turn helps us make better trading decisions, especially when it comes to things like implied volatility and things like that. Which brings up a point. Why the heck do we care about implied volatility in the first place? Well, one of the things that you should understand about non-directional income trading is that If you're truly trading neutral, in other words, you don't have any in the many directional bias. If you're truly neutral, the only reason that we make money as income traders is because the actual price movement in the asset is less than the feared price movement in the direction or directions we're taking on risk over a certain period of time. When a statement like that's true, we make money. When it's false, we can try and compensate for that. In other words, if we were wrong, We can try and compensate for that by making adjustments. But if the movement of the asset far exceeds the perceived risk on entry in a direction we're taking on risk, we're going to lose. Now, one of the things we discuss in the program is the fact that every trade we put on says something. It tells a story. And if you look at it this way, it really helps you understand your trades a little bit better. So your story creates or it defines your winning and losing scenarios with that trade. And believe me, no matter what you think you're trading, it always has a winning and a losing scenario. So an example of that, if if I put on a long call, let's say out of the money, and I expect to win the trade, the story or what I'm saying is I believe that the actual upward price movement in the asset is going to exceed or be better than The feared price upward price movement in the asset, because that's the only way that I win. If it's less than that, I don't win, right? So unless, of course, that option was deep in the money or something like that, right, in which case you're directional, and that's a different story, right? That's telling another story. But in the case of an out-of-the-money call, that's the story. If I sell a call out of the money and I expect to win, I'm saying that I believe the upward price movement of the asset will be less than the feared price movement because that's what has to happen in order for me to win. Now, as we get more and more into these complex strategies and we start introducing adjustments, we're doing the exact same thing. We're creating a story of when we're going to win, a story of where we're going to lose. It's just a more complex story. It has more plot twists, and it brings a lot of variables into the story. But it's the same thing. So, for example, if we do a broken wing butterfly... And we start with our price outside the tent, and we have no upside risk on entry. We're saying something like, well, I'm going to win if the market moves down slowly. In other words, the market moves down, but down less than the feared price movement at the time of entry. And I'm willing to break even if the price sits or moves up, because if I sat here, pretty much that's what I'd do. I might gain a little bit outside the tent as things decay, because we know the D plus zero line pops out there. But generally, that's what I'm saying. And then maybe I might want to apply an upside adjustment strategy and maybe a downside adjustment strategy. But if it was an upside adjustment strategy, the strategy might say something like, well, I want to make a certain amount if the price sits or continues higher, and I'm willing to bet that the market will not move down or move down even less than I did on entry because by leaning my position in a manner where I make more money to the upside or if I lean it in a way where I make money indefinitely to the upside, I am taking on additional downside risk, and I will lose faster if the market comes down, if that happens. Those are just the principles and the mechanics of things. It doesn't matter what you're trading, right? Or perhaps I saw a trader who does something that's maybe a bit more complex. What if I'm doing something like this? This is These are the same trades, by the way. I have two options in different expiration months. I have long options in April which is closer to expiration i have some short options in june which are longer term options uh, it gives me a t plus 0 line that looks like this if i fix the expiration graph for for the closer date right and this is telling us a story right we are basically betting that in this case the fear in the market or the the asset is going to move down less than the fear in the market in the in trade a which is our longer term market right we have our june market and we have our april market those two different markets so i'm basically betting that the i'm betting that the the actual down movement is less than the feared down movement in month a but if i'm wrong and we do get a down move i'm betting that the actual movement far exceeds the fear that was in the market when i entered my long puts okay and if everything works out that's great if everything works out and the price just goes up i'm fine if the price goes down crazy and it affects my short-term market more than it affects my long-term market i make money but there's a losing scenario to this trade and it's quite nasty if on the other hand i get a volatility shift in other words if the downside move in the market is greater than the feared move in the market when I, in my long-term options. But the move does not affect my short-term options. In other words, the fear doesn't escalate in the short-term market. So the market moves down enough, so it puts, maybe it's something that's long-term, or maybe the, maybe the short-term market's already escalated in its fear. If that's the case, I get a down move and my long-term market starts to freak out, and my short-term market says, well, we kind of expected this, this position gets absolutely crushed and destroyed. So there's a middle ground there. And that's basically the, the type of story that we're saying by putting on this type of position. So when you look at things in this manner, right, when you look at things in this manner, you get a really great understanding of what has to happen for you to make money as well as what your risks are as they they relate to implied volatility. And if you couple that with the understanding of of what drives the extrinsic value of the options, it creates a really in-depth understanding of your positions and your actual risk, you know, what you're actually risking. You know, when most traders look at a trade, they're looking for a set of rules to follow. You know, maybe they backtest the rules, um, maybe they modify the rules, but in the end, many traders find or make a set of rules and they hope that what happened in the past is going to continue to happen in the future so they actually, get, they actually make money, right, hopefully without getting wiped out. And sometimes it works for a while, but there are three main issues that we have with that type of a thought pattern or a thought process. First is that the exact same situation doesn't repeat itself over and over again. It sort of repeats itself, but it certainly doesn't precisely repeat itself, and it doesn't have to even be similar. The same move that reversed at just the right time in backtesting when you were taking on way too much risk may go the other way this time. The implied volatility shift that happened to occur and made you a boatload of money this time might go the opposite way with the same type of price move and blow your account out. And I say this because I've seen it happen. You see, one of the challenges we have as humans is that we delete, distort, and generalize things. And that's a good thing in a way because we have to do that in order to survive because we have so much information coming at us at any moment that we'd be paralyzed if we didn't delete over 99% of it. So we have to generalize like crazy just to get through life. For example, if we didn't generalize that a certain rectangular shape in a certain part of the room is a door and probably has some sort of handle and it's going to open one way or the other or maybe slide, you know, we, we'd never get anywhere. I mean, if we had to relearn what a door was every time we came up against an object that was slightly different, you know, what if if it was red instead of blue? You know, it's not a door anymore because you have to generalize just to look at the same shape with a different color and realize it's still a door. So generalizing is a great skill to have. But when we generalize and we assume that just because the price reversed in the past or that implied volatility reacted one way with a price movement in the past, if we generalize and think it's always going to do that, it can create some really big problems with our trading. You know, especially if you decide to over leverage yourself. I mean it can be really bad. The second thing is when traders go out and they actually go out and they trade a rule set that they spent so long developing, they usually don't actually trade it the way they back tested it. And assuming it back te- assuming the person back tested the trade properly, which I mean that's a whole other subject, right? But assuming it was actually back tested properly, if you don't trade it the way you back-tested, you're not doing the same trade. And therefore, even if history does repeat itself, you have to, be, you have to expect a different result. Right? It's not going to be the same. You do something different, you're going to get something different. In which case, I have to question the point of doing the back-testing in the first place. And lastly, conditions change, laws change, policies change, technology changes. Something that's worked for years might just stop working. So you need to be able to realize how to recognize that and how to be adaptable to that. Now, one of the things you've probably seen me do if, you, if you've if you been with me for a while, especially in a live event, is to look at a trade, even a trade that's completely new to me, something I've never seen before. And I can pretty much tell with 95% accuracy when that trade's going to do well, when it's going to go poorly, and more importantly, how bad it's going to get when things eventually turn out of favor for that system, whatever it happens to be. Now, I believe we all have superpowers. I know people who are much smarter than I am. I know people who are much better at theory than i than I am. Um, people who are better at reading market direction. In fact, you know some of my students are better traders than I am. You know they all have superpowers, and so do I. I do everything I can do to help them find and master their superpowers. That's one of my powers. But my main superpower, if you don't know what that is, is knowing the key components needed to make something work and finding out why something doesn't work or why it's going to fail. I can literally look at something I know virtually nothing about, determine the key factors that make it work, and pick out what's wrong. Now, that's a two-edged sword, right, because everything has problems. And if you're constantly aware of all the problems, it will paralyze the person. I know, right, because it happens to me. And my wife is always like, well, why are you always so negative? But it's not that I'm negative. I'm just acutely aware of all the potential flaws that might be happening, which is useful as long as you realize that everything has a defect, everything has a problem, and you're not going to find the perfect thing. Right? So if you can realize that and you can keep those defects in proper perspective, you can do really well. But aside from that negative factor, a superpower like this is really cool. When I worked on cars, I could walk by a car and things would just pop into my head. Oh, that's going to be a problem. Oh, it's got a leak in this tire over here. I smell electro electrical connection. People would say, how do you know that? I could fix anything. I could find anything and fix anything. In fact, by the time I was 18, I was head diagnostic technician at a large BMW dealership. and I had trainees working underneath me before I was 20. When I was in school for computer programming, I had several instances where no one could figure out what was wrong with particular programs. Teachers would look at it for days. I'd come by, ask a few key questions, have it fixed in 20 minutes, even though I had virtually no idea what the program was. And that's the way things happen for me. That's, That's something that comes natural. Essentially, I notice things. I cut through the crap. I look at only what's important, which allows me to pinpoint what can go wrong, ask a few key questions, figure it out, and figure out a fix. It's not always the best fix, it's not always the most simple fix, but it's something that works, even in cases where I really don't know very much or maybe nothing about the theory behind it. And that's my superpower. So one of the things this allows me to do with trading is to look at any set of trading rules, quickly recognize the key elements that make it work, determine when it's going to do well, when it's going to have problems, and the consequences of those problems. And this is what I want for you. I want you, any of my students, to be able to do this. I don't want you to have to learn a set of rules and have to backtest them for 100 years and then hope they work when you go live. I don't want you to see a new trade and wonder if you should be doing that instead of whatever you're doing now. Instead, I want you to get to the point where you can see a trade, you look at whatever the creator's doing or whatever you made up, and then instantly tell with amazing accuracy what has to happen to make it work and what has to happen for it to fail and what are the consequences when it fails? What are the versus the consequences when it works? I want everybody to be able to do that, so that you know if something's worth investigating and spending your time on for your particular trading style. Okay. So those are just some of the aspects that we cover in Ultimate Income Trader. And I probably talked way too long. And I'm going to give this over to Stephen. Stephen, are you there? I'm there. Hey, I'm going to make you presenter, my friend.
1: All right. And pass over some of those superpowers while you're at it.
0: My friend, you have your share of superpowers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, what I wanted to do, or what what John had had, had asked us to do, is to, you know, can we come on and give sort of a student or an attendee's perspective on on the course, because, you know, There is a lot of information. This is like double graduate, maybe PhD level stuff. And I don't say that to uh, scare anybody, but this is the kind of stuff that takes lots of practice. It takes time to digest these concepts, but boy, is it powerful. And I'm still in that process, and I'm, you know, that's part of the journey. But, you know, I think there's some value, obviously, in, in giving you a perspective of somebody who attended the program and is still very much a student of the game. And so I'm going to go over six, what I call kind of high-level learnings, but I'll go into some detail of of what I took away from the program. And so, you know, I kind of want to start with the end in mind with this presentation to say, well, what's the point? Why the ultimate income trader? What's it about? What's the freaking point? And I don't know where I... uh, Borrowed this slide from, but this is a slide that John had put up in one of his programs. What is a master trader? You know, he's confident, he's resilient, he's adaptable. That'll be a key word. Trades well enough, support themselves through virtually any market condition. That's really apropos with what's recently happened, right? We had grinding up markets, nine-handle VIX, straight up to the moon in January, and boom, it changed and I think John can attest to this, a lot of traders were shaken. They were, uh, you know, looking for different trades. They were questioning themselves. They were, you know, uh, maybe looking for different education services. It it really caused them to strategy hop and asset hop and and, and shook things. This is what this program should be able to guard against, to, to, to protect you from doing that. And, you know, John says, for for a master trader, what is their secret? And I think part of this program is going to teach you they learn about markets and not just to trade, the paint by numbers. We're going to learn about the markets, create the story like John said. We're going to learn how option structures actually react. And I think one thing, you know, to build on what John was saying, you know, not only are we looking at our Greek instruments and our models, say an option view or O and E, but we also have to recognize that those don't always tell us the truth, or they don't always have the full picture. And you have to understand the intricacies uh, or the limitations of that software. And that's something that that's really powerful. When the, when the model's telling you one thing and the market moves and it's the result is totally different, and you're screaming and yelling at the software. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we've all probably done. You know, when, when you when you uh, have the skills that you could get out of this program, you'll you'll start to understand and anticipate the shortcomings of that model,
0: and it really help your training. I think that's very powerful, Stephen. Because, like I said, the analytical models are—I mean—they're just a model, and they make certain assumptions and. You as the trader are the one responsible for determining whether the assumptions, the modeling, the model is making, is going to actually come to pass if certain price movements happen.
1: Right, yeah. and I think that that happened a lot last year. You know, the right leg, right leg crush was a, was a recurring theme with a lot of people, and you know, the model wasn't picking that up because we were such in an abnormal uh, sort of skew market, if you will, and, and a grinding up market, and it, it creates problems if you don't really understand. Uh, what's happening and how how you can maybe uh, uh, combat that, so to speak. And then, you know, the last bullet point here I wanted to highlight was a master trader understands there there is no holy grail and that the effectiveness of any system comes and goes. And that includes, you know, all of John's wonderful systems as well. And, you know, certain aspects of them, it's probably more accurate to say, um, the effectiveness comes and goes, and so we have to be aware of that. And so to really, you know, to master this game, to master your craft, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through sort of the six elements that I think that you that you need to learn that this program definitely brings to the forefront. And one big central theme is it teaches you how to get in tune with the market, its ebbs and flows, and its patterns not only from an IV perspective and a, and a price action perspective, but from uh, an option markets perspective so with that, I think I'll just go through the summary of the six lessons. Awesome. Or the six takeaways. Yeah. So the first, you know, the one that was really obvious to me that I've always uh, felt like was part of the end game, if there is one um, in the learning process, is adaptability. You know, becoming, uh, getting to a level where no matter what the market throws at you, you can adapt okay you know when there 's bows and arrows coming at you, you might need a shield if you know if there 's something else coming at you, you might need a little bit different protection or if the market is just going haywire you 've always got something in your in your quiver or your your uh, uh, portfolio of strategies or tactics or whatever ready to go you 're adaptable you know you can shape shift it 's like water water can go around anything right it can change form that 's the kind of the kind of state you want to be able to get to or that's at least what we strive to and I think this program definitely gives you the ability to adapt and be a true adaptable trader and, and for me that's what that means I think a lot of people say you know you got to be adaptable well that can mean a lot of different things but for me it means you know being able to change and move with the market no matter what it throws at me so that I have a consistent equity curve. And I may not be trading the same kind of trades and the same kind of structure. I may be all over the place, but at the end of the year, I've got that consistent equity curve that I'm always striving for. And the second learning was, you know, John really kind of drove that home on his part of the presentation is how do we make money or what drives that? Where, where do the gains and losses come from? And I'll go into detail on that in a couple slides later. The third takeaway is this powerful combination, and to me this is probably one of the superpowers, right, is when you combine that understanding of IV skew structures, not just, you know, absolute value IV and not just looking at one IV curve, but, you know, the structure across time horizontally and vertically, and you combine that with some, you know, basic technical analysis and charting. I I don't think John's ever felt like you know you had to know every single indicator over the book or know you know what an bearish engulfing pattern. We're talking about fairly simple, very basic technical analysis. When you combine those two things, bam, that's a superpower. You're on your way to master trader and that's probably one of the main thrusts of the whole program is to be able to use that information. And so number four, I think Number three on this list leads you to number four, right? So when you really understand skew uh, to a, to a deeper level and and some basic technical analysis, you know even some advanced stuff. Although I, I don't think John, you know, you ever get into indicators and all this other fancy stuff. It's not that hard. I think a lot of people either don't believe in technical analysis and patterns and whatnot, but you know I would say give it a chance. Check it out first. And when you combine those two together, your mind will open up to all sorts of trade possibilities. For example, a positive vega and gasp, a negative theta configuration. Yes, those kind of configurations can make money. If you're using the SKU and your technical analysis in your favor, you can make all kinds of configurations and structures that we usually don't consider. And then number five... You know, it seems like the first four things leads us down a path of complexity. But the big shocker, I think, at kind of the end of the program, John, for me was like, wow, wait a minute. We're we're kind of saying, yeah, once we get all this high level or this deeper understanding on our belt, we're really moving back to simplicity. Mm. Because I think a lot of people tend to associate complexity with higher returns. And as you said in the past, that, that correlation is not necessarily always the same, and in fact,
0: it can be the opposite. Yeah, I agree completely, and I see that more and more people getting more and more complex and making less and less money. So, yeah, very, very and I good think the point. simplicity,
1: as a, yeah, as we'll show, it comes in a different form. It's not necessarily simplicity, say, in the, in the context of a UB1, like where it's just strictly rules-based and you're... You know, you only have one or two things you're doing. I I don't mean simplicity in that way. I mean simplicity over the campaign. And then number six, once you've kind of got one through five um, internalized, it allows you to kind of sit there and lay out the trade plan and you visualize literally how this, the the four, five, six different ways or however many ways that you've planned for, that it's going to play out and so i'll go in depth on a little bit more on each one of those those high levels and some of it may be a little bit redundant but i think it's worth talking about so adaptability right so we're moving away from repetitive trade structures which is pretty much everything that's out there in the market there's nothing wrong with it the paint by numbers you know we kind of hear that term tossed around it works great you know you have to find something that fits your personality fits your lifestyle fits your risk tolerance that's fine a lot a lot of those types of trades work it's just the problems can come when we Plus have they're market they are awesome place to start. start
0: too right yep right they are awesome places yeah to start. you have to to, like, if you're new, or, if you're no, a new yeah, trader I mean, that's what you want to do you want to come in you want to just get to trade and see it. how they react yeah yeah
1: yeah no 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 definitely not not a knock on it i've got a new student i'm working with now we start out with a bull trade now we're moving into ub1 i'm say you know i said you have to learn this first before we move you on to the M3 and the, and the X4 or, or wherever you take your trading, you've got to get your foundational stuff down. But if you are frustrated or if you feel like you want to take things to the next level, you, you know, this is how you can move away from sort of the pay-by-number stuff. This is how we evolve and how we adapt. And, you know, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but this could be one way to think of it is if you, if you do the pay-by-number trades, you're going to get pay-by-number results, which is fine doesn't matter, but if you ha- if you, you know, take the learnings and get the deeper understanding from this program, I think it really helps to guard against strategy hopping and asset hopping, which is what I think you, you see every time we have these corrections or we have – or it's not even a correction. It could be just a straight-up bull market like we had last year. It causes people to strategy hop and asset hop, and I just think to me that's like starting back at ground zero.
0: Yeah, you know, another I, you thing know, too. We've all done it. done it. I've done it. Right, and another thing too, Stephen, this down move we had in the market, I mean, if you're mm-hmm. paying attention to what's going on, that had to be expected. Had to be expected, and like you and I talked about, it was a oppor- big opportunity too. It's a big opportunity, and it retraced right to the point where it should have retraced for a very strong, uptrending market. There's this. Mm-hmm. There was there nothing that really shouldn't have been foreseen other than the volatility shift may have been a little bit more than we may have expected but uh, right. more than normal for multiple reasons. But that's because we you – know, one of the things we talk about in the program is the sentiment shifts. We had such a severe sentiment. Right. We haven't had a down move in the SPX in two freaking years. And you've got a market right. that's floating to the upside. There's no fear of the downside. Just a normal technical move, if you know basic technical analysis, a normal technical move, you would know that, that, that a normal move would have been a move like we haven't seen in two years just to correct back to a normal uptrend. Mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, and if you're not going to protect against that, or trade smaller, or do something. I mean, I lost money that month too, but I was I was in much much smaller than I normally am because the market it, at some point I know what the market should do, and the market wasn't doing what it should do. So that makes me as a trader nervous, and causes me to to, to size my positions down.
1: I was going to say, and you know, or put protect, or or or. Play it out a little bit further and say, you know, when this correction comes, and it's going to come down to this particular area, what can I do as far as new trades? You know, right? Play in advance. I love it. Play in advance to say, you know, yeah, you know, I'm not going to get out of the trade I'm in now because it it may not correct. Now it hasn't corrected in two years, like you said. But in 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 the case that it does, I've already got a plan in place on how to protect this current trade. And actually, I might. Put Protect It Now because, like you said, there were clues in the market that said this was coming. And, you know, in January was giving lots of clues. I mean, just from a simple standpoint, the RVX was going up while the Russell was screaming higher. Well, volatility going up when the market's going up is abnormal status. So, mm-hmm. you know, that right there, you know, so you have a plan uh, in place to deal with the current trade. But you say, you know, when that correction comes, what am I going to do to take advantage of it? And this the ultimate income trader is, is where that comes into play. Is to help you get prepared to take advantage of opportunity, not sit there and play defense all day long. So, just to finish out that this slide, you know, you know, the first thing you have to do to, when you're in an adaptability mode and not just a um, you know strict rules based or even some concept based station, so what market am I in? And it's more more than just saying, you know, I'm on a bullish and a bearish market, but it's taking technical analysis, IV and the skew charts and Kind of having a multiple dimensional look and say now what market am I in? Well, you know I'm in a bull market, grinding up market, but I'm also in one where you know the the VIX is is at a 30 year low. That's a that's ab, I'm in an abnormal bull market. I think you could probably characterize it as that. And mm-hmm. that there's a correction coming. You know, it's like point number three. Build the story by using more than just well, it's bullish, it's bearish. Well, but yeah, but we have access to more context, right? IV skew build the story and then that helps us to adapt our trades nice and so this one is, is the bullet point number two this is the one that i, I thought was really great when <laughs> john's in the uh, program talking about it he's like you know it's almost like you kind of want to say no you guys all got it wrong not not the students but you know the educated universe out there right and so i think it's great when you hear you know we're theta traders what do we think we, we trade theta you know, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, there's not the theta gremlin who sneaks into your account at night and he <laughs> he sticks that theta number into your account. And, you know, and, and he, he especially puts he puts two deposits in your account over the weekend, right? Because you're positive right. theta trade, You know, he's, he's sticking that money in your account. You're making that money.
0: No. You know what a really good example of that is, Stephen, is yep. that – and I noticed this because I put one of these on. I put on a negative delta SPX butterfly uh, Broken link butterfly back in I don't know mid January maybe and the price went up and the price went up and it got crushed but theoretically it was like over a month since I had put it on it was either late December or early January but, but was, I, I think so it must have been late December It was over a month I had this trade on Mm -hmm. And it was a negative delta butterfly. And if you looked at the T plus zero line, it was developing a nice little hump in it and everything Mm -hmm. was going to be perfect. Well, the market pulled back right through that butterfly. And by the time it hit the center of the butterfly, despite a month going by and my theta working for me for how long? I don't know. Right. Despite that, the thing was down an incredible amount of money. Right. (laughs) By the time it got back there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean. So what did the Greeks mean?
1: Right, exactly. Crap. exactly. <laughs> if
0: you didn't have the,
1: you know, further, under, you, you know, the, the the trader who's just starting out or maybe even some inter, intermediates, you know, that could cause a lot of angst. And it's, it's not only, you know, the, the, the gain-loss impact, but it's the mental capital impact, right? You're like, like for me, I would always, I would kind of get wrapped around the, why is this happening? What the hell is going on? Why is the T plus zero line under zero on positive data? And I've had this thing for 30 days. Why, why, why? Well, ultimate income trader. You know, it's going to provide you the tools to be able to answer those questions and get in tune with the market and understand. You had a, uh, I forget if it's a community coaching session or not, maybe it's a question. It's somebody says, you know, you know, we're trading uncertainty, right? And uncertainty is expressed as implied volatility. And one of our members, Bob Dobrin, you know, he asked a question or a statement. He says, you know, we get paid more when there's greater uncertainty, And another way to say that, which is what you were saying earlier, John, is you know we get paid when realized or historical volatility turns out to be less than implied volatility during the campaign. That's how we make money. And so you know ultimately in the day we're trading emotions and specifically fear and greed. And I've got a little, I call it a thought pyramid to kind of explain that. And and maybe this starting at the base of this pyramid is maybe kind of how. Some of us have always have evolved our understanding of what we're doing, because <laughs> I know we all <laughs> right. first we said, you know, you see that first uh, education side. You said, sell premium, iron condors, credit spreads. You make a hundred dollars a week. You'll, you know, you'll be Goldman Sachs in six months. So you know, that's the way we kind of think of what we do is what income trading is. You're selling premium, and then you kind of evolve, and you think, well, no, okay, it's data decay. It's data decay. You, you know, that's what we're really doing. Sure, okay, that's fine. And then you kind of evolve. your thinking again you to, well, you know, it's implied volatility is what it is. And this is kind of where the big jump, or, or you'd be surprised how many people don't really understand, is was like what you were saying, what's driving implied volatility, which is really an output number, is demand demand for those options. And what drives demand for options or a particular strike is just collective emotions of the market because that's all the market is. You know, a price chart is just the an expression of the collective emotions of the market participants. It's not the discounted cash flows or dividend model of all the companies out there, and we throw it on a chart. You know, a lot of people still believe that, that it's all about P.E. ratios and price multiples. I mean, it's like, what what, what are you thinking? It's… It's emotion. <laughs> I mean, you know, somewhere in there, yeah, I mean, the market is based on, on fundamentals uh, to a certain extent, but was today based on fundamentals? You know, I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of emotion, you know, and people getting caught in the wrong place. And fear and greed as those collective emotions come in different forms, right? So there's fear of missing out, which is probably what we've seen a lot of in the last few years. And then there's fear of, you know, losing money, losing your capital. And then there's greed. And that's pretty much it. That's what you're trading. And, I, you know, the mathematical kind of uh, way to express it is, is sort of right here, the way I think of it. You know, whenever the historical is, is ends up being less than they implied, then then we're winners. And like you said earlier, then uh, maybe not so much. So I think, you know, that's important to understand what's driving this and, and how we stitch this together with the rest of the concepts.
0: Right, right, and, and you know we just had some just comments. Historical volatility has, you know, since early February has been higher than implied volatility is what Andrew said. Um, yeah. What, what you know, what happens when it switches? Well, the thing is, if if your volatility gets to the point where the feared price movement is less than the actual price movement in the markets, our trades don't work anymore. Selling mm-hmm. premium does not work anymore because you're not going to get paid anything to sell it. Right. You're much better off buying premium at that point. Right, because which the market's moving? it's getting, it's moving more than you get
1: paid for. Right. Yeah, which which kind of boils down to what I was saying earlier. You know, open your minds to trade possibilities to take advantage of a change in the in the environment, instead right. of just saying, "Well, you know, all I've got is negative negative vega, positive phases of trades." Well, like you just said, those don't those aren't always going to work, but other things can work. And so. This is the sort of superpower combination, right? A deeper understanding of the IV skew and technical analysis. I mean, that combination is is pretty incredible. And I have on here a comment that three times your returns. You know, if you say your base returns is a concept, is a M three concept trade, Mm -hmm. whatever you know, five to ten percent on fifty thousand dollar capital. Right. Applying this understanding and this kind of these these techniques. I mean four x five x times the returns is very possible without increased risk and in planned capital i mean that i mean that's kind of the takeaway right i mean that's that's what you take off the slide and go, well <laughs> I need to check this thing out I mean making yeah. more higher returns with the same risk with just a deeper level of understanding
0: and some trade planning is what it's really all about, right, but we're not doing the same thing every month right. right? Where we're taking a lot of different things into consideration, not just technical analysis, not just volatility, and not just the news, but how the three are interacting with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Where our opportunity is in the market. Yeah.
1: Right, and and that's that's a good segue. That sort of speaks to alignment, you know, becoming aligned with the market and looking at things kind of in a three D manner, like you just said, not only price action, not only IV skew, but across expirations, not only the T plus zero line, but maybe even another dimension. Butterfly pricing, tracking it, and then across expirations, you know, you take all that together, and you're building a story, and you're, you're, you're getting in alignment with the market, and you're prepared for, for what may be coming down the road. Yep. And like I said here, you know, the, understanding all these kind of things gives you a sense of – a deeper sense of how that fear and greed, which drives option prices and, and employability, how that's being allocated –
0: Right, right. It, yeah, it, and it's it's very realistic, you know. And I think we also talk a lot about the sentiment of the market and re, and just understanding what that is at any given time.
1: Right, and and you know, and we always we kind of always think of it in, a, in kind of silos or one dimension. Right, we can all look at a price chart and say, yeah, well, you know, we're in a bullish market and higher highs and and higher lows, or you know, and then we say, well, then there's the IV, and I, I kind of know a skew chart, and then well, you know, then the other day I was looking at TV t plus zero line pull all that together i mean it, you know it's all kind of already in us we all are kind of a lot of us intermediate and advanced traders we've always kind of seen that but this this helps you really wrap all that together into actionable items you know and building a new trade and so i think right. that's that's the jump that uh, this program helps people make awesome Okay, so, you know, okay, great. I understand the IV skew, and I'm an adaptable trader. I've got a deeper understanding. Now, how does this help my business, my trading business, my trading plan? You know, we understand that currently the big IV shifts or major transitions really hurt our trades. So, you know, can we step out away from those constraints? Can we break out from that kind of thinking? Because I think, you know, what we do, we asset hop and we strategy hop, is we're still just going to a negative vega, positive theta trade when we have a big shift, you're not really changing anything. You're just, you're kind of avoiding a condition that happened now rather than, you're not, you're not in alignment. You know what I'm saying? Like people will adjust their trade because they're feeling pain because of a certain market dynamic. And then they fix that part, but they haven't really, they're still not in alignment with the market.
0: Right. Yeah. I I know completely what you mean
1: there's, you're not really fixing anything. You're just kind of dodging the problem. Um and, and you made this comment, you know, you, we reviewed all sorts of different trades and it was like, you know, it's the end of the day, the tent behind the money income trades, they're kind of all the same, just repackaged and renamed. And I'm generally speaking, and again, not a negative, but let's, you know, we have to understand that all these trades are sort of, basically the same in a lot of ways so they at least they, they definitely have a lot of the main characteristics the same so you're not right. going to just put a name on it and change the adjustment strategy and now it's a totally different trade that can that has that's adapted to this new market not really it's not really going to it's not going to give you that kind of an outcome when you have that understanding again you say you know can i go away from this defensive mindset and be offensive and i, I think you brought that up the other day john in one of our presentations and that's that's where another kind of giant takeaway is from this program is how can I stop being in a passive mode? Oh, the market's gone up. I've got to roll up. Oh crap. That takes an hour. I'd rather just do verticals. You know, it's that kind of thing. That's a defensive mindset and there's nothing wrong with that. yeah is there a way can we go offensive? Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, and I think, I think we all drift to this mindset naturally. I think mm-hmm. that's what's been going to us. And we've seen it to the extreme lately with these crazy hedge trades, right? So, mm-hmm. You just you t- you tend to drift that way, and I I find myself drifting that way mainly because, uh, partially because I mean I let myself do it, but partially because basically you know, a lot of the students want that. So a sure. lot of the stuff we've been having lately is broken wing butterfly, broken wing butterfly, broken wing butterfly, because that's everybody's trying to gravitate towards that type of a trade right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right, it's very very defensive. And by the way, they are pretty much all the same thing just repackage with slightly different adjustment strategies or in some cases just somebody who just does stuff at random they throw a broken wing butterfly on and just kind of does stuff at random to try and make money but mm-hmm. but we do gravitate towards that and one of the things that hit me is one of my students from doing this exercise and it was Wayne he comes out and he says well we are traders aren't we mm-hmm. you know what's the difference between a trader and someone who trades I mean someone who trades sticks on a broken wing butterfly and hopes it works out or has a fix Set, set of strategies there's no artistry in that and you can only expect a certain amount of results from that and you can't really expect to be varying to different market conditions from doing that you know right. a, a real trader is going to come in they're going to come in they're going to they're going to be aware of the landscape they're going to know what's going on you know in all the areas you were talking about and they're going to make a judgment as to where the best opportunity is and they're going to trade offensively they're going to they're trade to make money they don't trade right. to to not lose. I mean, you know, a true trader, I mean, yes, you have to control your risk, of course, but your primary objective here is to make money. If your primary objective is not to lose, you can't expect to make that much.
1: Right. And and that's a great segue because, you know, one of the, the culmination of the program is, is John had, had us all break up into uh, work groups and small teams, and he gave us a, um, a market scenario, a, a real one in the past. And he just says, you know, go for it. Do your trade planning, craft a trade. Tell me what you would do, and and, and how this trade will will play out. And our peak team, I, I'm going to have to pat ourselves on the back. I thought we we were uh, unique in a lot of ways, and I I want to uh, give a big hat tip to to the team. And it was Susan Fife, Ed Costa, and uh, our trade designer Wayne Klomp. and we came up with an. In, M21-style trade, which required some trade planning up front, a lot of hard work up front, which Susan was really, really good about. And the rest of us uh, were marveled at her ability to run through that stuff so fast. And we developed a positive negative theta trade in the class. And in the program, John uh, does uh, one-on-one reviews with, I think there were four teams, right, John? Or were there five? There were actually three that we did reviews on. Three reviews. And he just gives feedback, and uh, and it was a really amazing experience to kind of really, it was the whole open your mind up thing for me, and it was an aha. And so, you know, this last quarter, we're in a straight-up market. I did my trade planning, took some live money. It was basically based on that pink team strategy, and I made 28% return on capital. Nice. And so, you know, to me, that was just like, you know what? Now, not only did I pay for the course, but it was just like holy crap! I'm looking at the market and the option configurations, and the structures, and the adjustments in a totally different way. And uh, you know, now now I've got another another way to approach the market, and I actually have added this trade to my portfolio of, of strategies. And so, you know, that's what you could do when you when you pull all this together. And if you want a sneak peek of that trade. It's in the program.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's right. Because yeah, you guys went over it. Nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: And if you go over it in detail. So, uh, you know, I, to me, I think that that's, that's really
0: where uh, where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, we, we spent well over an hour, going, hour doing. going over the setup. Oh, yeah. You had it behind it and, and, and yeah. how it went. Yeah. Nice.
1: And, and, you know, I'll just kind of speak to this slide. I'm not going to go bullet point. But, but as far as, like, that experience with that trade we did, you know, all the hard work was done up front. There was a lot, some te- uh, technical analysis and charting that we do. John provides a, a, a spreadsheet for you to do. You go through all that once, and you kind of you know, you have your technical analysis plan forever going forward. And You just kind of fill it in for, for current or recent activities. And we, we just plan out the trade. We crafted the trade. If it goes here, you know, then we're going to do X. If it goes here, we're going to do Y. And you, all the hard work is done up front. And that's where I come back and say, well, once the trade is on and we're in the campaign, it's simple. I'm not kind of wondering. I'm not just concept trading. I'm kind of executing. I mean, sure, you know, you might have something in your plan on how you're going to deviate from it. But it's kind of more in the sense of let the trade ripen. Let the trade work for you instead of you know kind of the other way what we're sort of used to and and when i say simplicity that's kind of what i mean you know you've got you've built your probability map of how the trade's going to unfold and you just sort of let it happen that doesn't mean i'm not adjusting or i'm not taking action it means that you know every day we're not doing some incremental thing we've already sort of planned for all that it's sort of a bigger a wider look and that kind of leads me to this last slide john of of visualization, right? So once you've once you've done all the hard work up front of the trade planning and how this is going to play out, you just kind of think of it, visualize it. It's like a golfer, right? Before they they kind of close their eyes, you'll see some golfers they'll close their eyes, and they're going through that mental exercise on their mind. I know, John, you you've probably got a little bit more advanced analogies of this, but they <laughs> yeah. think of the shot, you know, like. The variables: what's the distance? What's the wind? What direction is it coming from? What are the, they take all those variables into consideration, and they think, "What's the trajectory? You know, that I wanted the shot. What's the shot shape?" Once they have that in their mind, then they go execute the shot. And it's and it's very similar with this. You know, all your trading is done up front, like I said, and you just dance with the market. You're in alignment with the market it's already planned out. It doesn't mean everything is going to work out as a profit, but it means that you you've put that you've stacked the odds in your favor even more.
0: Right. I think that's an important point you brought out. I mean, yes, we we increase our, our odds even more because we're taking the landscape into consideration and that's extremely powerful. But at the same time things don't go as planned. Right, right. We make these plans, things don't go exactly as planned. But what we do know is like when we plan out a trade is we have indicators where we're going to change our opinion so we have spots or areas or things that might happen that might change our opinion and we know that ahead of time going in and we play those out and the visualization plays a really strong part in that in other words you know i'm going to take my trade and i'm not just i'm not just going to visualize it going perfectly i mean that doesn't really do me any good i mean Mm -hmm. it gives me an idea of how it might go but um realistically i need to visualize it all the scenarios that may play out and make an estimation of how much my trade's going to be drawn down and all this other stuff. You know, you know, like I said, one of the things that I can do and I've told people this for a long time is I could take a bearish butterfly at any given time. You could, you tell me the entry price in Delta and then tell me the market's here. This is the range the market's been in and the market's here on this date in the future and I can tell you within a very, very surprisingly accurate number what my profit and loss is. I can tell you what my delta is. I can tell you everything about that trade and how it's going to be, the position it's going to be in. I can tell you what my feelings of that trade are going to be about. Right. So you should be able to do that for yourself. When you set your trade up, yeah, you play out the right process. This is what I think is going to happen. But also play out every other process you can think of. In other words, by the time you actually put this trade on, you should have done it in your mind like 500 times. And the uh-huh. good thing is you can do it really quickly in your mind. Right. And that you you know all the scenarios. You make your best guess at how far down you'll be. That way, when it actually happens and you watch it play out, you can get feedback from that and say, oh, I was wrong when I was down this much. I was wrong. I was actually up money. Why was I actually up money? Kind of get an idea surrounding of, you know, compare what you thought would happen with what actually happened and figure Mm -hmm. out. A reason for the difference and use that the next time to more accurately predict what your position is going to do the next time we do it and it's just a cycle that continually gets you better and better and better at doing it and when you practice that much like a lot of traders they put on 12 trades a year you don't learn shit from doing 12 trades a year right, You're <laughs> right. 12 times where the circumstances are different every single time or if they're the same you didn't you really didn't do anything because right. you did the same trade 12 times so no. so you don't learn anything you only learn something when you look at all the different things that would have happened and you do it. No, I might, mm-hmm. you know, somebody might trade, do a trade for, for, for a year and do it 12 times. I might do a trade 12 times and do it 3,000 times. So mm-hmm. I have that much more learning and I learn that much faster. You know, how do you learn so fast? Well, that's how you learn fast. You right. Know, you, you play the scenarios out.
1: Yeah, like like the trade that I put on, uh, I guess we could call it a pink team trade that I put on live. You know, it was partially an experiment, right? Let's put this mm-hmm. to the test. But, you know, I hit, made much more money on that trade than any other trade that I've got. But I learned so much more, just like you just said, than any other trade. Because, you know, it was a new experience. Obviously, it was a totally different configuration. But I picked up so much more just from that one campaign that I'm now I'm going to fit in the next campaign to make it better. It's it's like you said, it's that snowball of knowledge, right? It gets better and better and better as you keep going through, uh, iter- new iterations of the trade. Right.
0: I mean, when you first do this, you're going to suck. I'll put yeah. it right out there. Right. Because, yeah. It's completely new, and your emotional bias is going to be in. But if you stick with it, you now we do things with people, especially when we start doing, like, the M21 program. You know, people start doing that, and they say, oh, this doesn't work because I my performance actually decreased. And I said, yeah, you're doing something new. Your performance is going to decrease. But the people who stick with it are doing I mean, they're killing it. So the same thing here. you got to stick with it until you get this stuff down and then so you can be killing it.
1: Yep. And it takes time. I mean, it's it's like you said. You know, I'm I, I by no means am I you know I master a master trader or feel like I have all these things down right. to a T. It's a process. But I, I I know enough now to know the power in it and, and where it can take my trading, if that's a fit. You know, I and mean, if that's where I want to take it. And uh, you know, for me, I think the more you can learn, the better your trading is. Even if it even if trade you trade stay with simplistic trades, it can even
0: make those trades easier. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing something as simple as a bull trade, if you mm-hmm. know what's going on in the market, you might have times you might want to stay out of it. You know, Right. Uh, certainly with a bearish butterfly, there's times you don't want to be in the market. Or size yeah. it up or size it down. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, Size to your confidence, as they say, so that you have more room to fool around with stuff. And like we both said, there, there are times you are going to be wrong with the market. You know, one of the things I do with a bearish butterfly all the time is I'll put a bearish butterfly on when I think I'm at a resistance level, but my intent is never to get fully scaled into a bearish butterfly and lose, you know, $30,000 on $50,000. My intent is if the market doesn't do what I expect it to do, I get out and I do something else. Right. 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 You're dancing Take with some. the market. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, said, so "Oh, well, it should have been bearish here, but hey, it's not. It's like the Russell thing. You know, my thought on the Russell last Monday was it was probably going to come up to resistance and it was probably going to range sideways. Well, the day that broke out, the story changed. That's right. a flip in in sentiment. That shouldn't have happened. And I know that shouldn't have happened. That being the case, I'm full on bullish at that point. Because right. you, didn't get, second, you didn't get you didn't get married 10.
1: to your initial
0: no. thoughts. I, No, even if my my initial plan was put on a bearish butterfly, it looks like I'm on top of the market. I'm not married to that because if I'm looking at the technicals and I'm looking at my volatility and if I see a breakout with a certain volatility shift in the markets, I mean, and I look at the cross-index, we do cross-index analysis, I look at all the other indexes and what they're doing, and if I think that thing's going to fly, I mean, my opinion changes on a second. Mm -hmm. I don't need to stay with that opinion. It doesn't serve me anymore. Right. And if I'm one-third in a bearish butterfly, that's a very safe entry. Yeah, you know, you know, so it's, know, it's you know,
1: and I, I, I think John, and the other big benefit, and and it's like I said, it, it's not totally there yet, but it will be. Is is it's the emotional benefits, the mental benefits. So, so like days like today, you know, can cause a little angst for you know most of our traditional trades in terms of you know it's a little bit more work, and you got to do this, you got to do that, it, it, you know, and it's going to vary from certain people, but. You know, when you're really in tune with the market, you're just it's like you said. You know, you just flip sentiment, and you change your, you change your trade, or you change your configuration. It's just, it's not a big deal. It's like I visualize that. That's fine. I'm not married to it. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm in alignment. You do what you want to do, right. and I'm aligned with you. And it, and I think that can help reduce uh, some of the angst that builds up when the market, you know, has these sort of extreme moves one way or the other. And that, you know, anytime we can reduce or soothe or help our mental capital or
0: psychological state, I think that that's it brings nothing but benefits. You know what else happens helps it too is the fact that you've already played this out in your head. Yeah, right. It's not a surprise. Right. In other words yeah. I, in other words, if this happens to me, if I'm if I'm a bearish butterfly or whatever and the market breaks out like this and you know, we get this real big extended move, especially like the election thing, mm-hmm. I I've already played that scenario in my head. You know, I can say that Hey, the Russell's only ever gone 160 points before it runs sideways or backs off for a certain period of time. I can say that, and I can make a trade plan for that, and it's just extremely high probability because the market's never done anything more than that. It's probably not going to happen. I mean, it's, it's a very, you know, it takes my high probability trade and jacks it up even a higher probability. But there is that one or two percent chance that hey, it may do something the market's never done before, and. Right. I need to play that scenario out in my head. It's not it's, not it's going to go to 160 and it will reach or retrace. It's going to go to 160, and then if I happen to be at an important resistance point, maybe it's going to break out 30 points at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to already play that scenario out and realize that this may happen, pretty much guesstimate the best I can at my loss, mm-hmm. and be okay with that. Otherwise, I can't trade the trade, because by the time I get up there, I'm going to be so nervous at that point, I'm not going to be able to hold mm-hmm. the position. Right. Right? I'm gonna do the low probability thing and flatten out and then the market's going to come down right right so that's just a, a that's a um, you know an example of emotions getting the best of you at that point you know right. you're, you're playing right. out a perfect trade but you find out when you're sitting there you know scaled in three-thirds that you can't hold that kind of delta for three days right
1: and, and John I just want to make the point you know the the, the end game of this program is not so that you'll configure a brand new trade like like we did with the pink team that's not necessary that's just one conclusion you know i think for the majority of people it's how can i take what i have now and improve it and further customize it to me and to and and getting in tune with the market better i mean you know you don't have to come up with a brand new trade a positive egg negative theta but you could you you know you
0: use this stuff right now to improve what you got but there are certainly times in the market where being positive Vega negative thrust yeah. Vega is very beneficial.
1: No, I mean for me, I mean that's yeah. I just yeah. didn't want you know the conclusion to be well. Oh, this is about how you can create your own trade. Yes, it is a pathway to creating new trades, which
0: I think is well. You create your own but, trade every month, really. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it, yeah. Right? yeah,
1: You can improve what you have, or you can you can create something totally new and. And throw that into your portfolio of strategies, and when the market uh, presents a certain scenario, you'll know what to pull out of the
0: bag. Yeah, exactly. So let's see. I have a question. I'm trying to read it and make sense of it. So see if you can make uh, see if you can understand this, Stephen. Okay. Maybe we'll just, how can we as retail traders, having limited resources and tools, decompose the attribute to our profit and loss among direction, time decay, IV drivers via delta, theta, and Vega? P&L, so one knows what's actually contributing to the net composite profit and loss. In a nutshell, what does that say?
1: <laughs> well, uh, to me, it's sort of this. What, what's what's driving the the gains and losses in a in a uh, complex option position?
0: Right. Assuming you I mean, if, have... if he's
1: asking what's the dominant Greek, I mean, that depends on the situation, right? It depends on context.
0: Well, Greeks are results, so they're results of fear and greed. So if you understand the fear and greed of the drivers of the market, in, in other words, the major people who are buying and selling stuff in the market, if you understand that and what they're doing, like we talk about, you know, what's the psychology of, uh, you know, the big money investor? What's the psychology of this, and what are they trying to do, and, what, and, and how do they usually try to take advantage of you? Um, that type of stuff, and... When you know or have a good idea of what they're doing, and you can get an idea of what they're thinking just simply through a volatility chart, if you look at charts regularly, you'll notice when it's unusual for the technical situation, right? That, that's
1: so, a, yeah, I was going to say that's a great point, John, because it's been it's been demonstrated in the past. You know, the the market likes to fake us out, right? The look above a fail, look above and fail, or the snapping crack, or the look below and and fail, and you can sometimes see that in your T plus zero line before it happens. Oh, there's right. a little little change in my T plus zero line. Maybe it's showing up in the skew, and now I can see what these big big players may be trying to do uh, to the market, and I and I can uh, prepare for that.
0: Right, right. And we you know we talk about whether the fear and greed and how to tell whether it's in a short term market or a long term market, and, and you know whether mm-hmm. the, I mean long term players are not going to get. I mean, if you're a long term player and something like february happens i mean you're not all that concerned about it i mean it's just a normal correction in the market i mean right. you know you know so the so the options market and say you know this september isn't really going to give a crap about what you know that little move that happened in february which is a little move relative to what, what it usually is but the short term market is going to freaking freak out <laughs> Right, because mm-hmm. they don't. I mean, they don't have much time to deal with it. So the short-term traders are freaking out, but the long-term guys are just say, "Hey, this is a buying opportunity." And we saw that because you yeah. know, the buying came into the market again, um, as right. it has been doing. So, so yeah. doing that is helpful. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you know,
1: at no point was from a technical standpoint, from you know at least a weekly time frame, was the the bullish case ever really at risk. No, no, not at all. I mean, what else we did
0: is retest a very steep trend line.
1: <laughs> right. I was like, okay, well, that, like you say, that's, that was expected. But when you're in the moment and volatility products are blowing up, it feels like, oh, my gosh, is this the big reversal that we're having? And it's easy to fall into that um, you know, when it you're is. in the fire.
0: It is. But, you know, in one context, you should have known a, a move that size was going to cause a panic in the short-term market. And, again, a normal correction size move. So, mm-hmm. um, But anyway, uh, yeah, so, you know, I think they're asking – he says, I think they're asking how to do P&L attribution. I don't even know what that means. Like I said, some people have superpowers. That word is not mine. I'm not a fancy college person.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if they're saying <laughs> – well, I mean, he's trying to say what's driving – what – what aspect can we attribute to what's driving the P and L? And to me, it's just—I mean, it's just the emotions, man. <laughs> I mean, well, don't, don't overcomplicate. Emotions are always
0: driving your P and L. Yeah. Right? If you, if, but, if, you go, yeah. if if you do a condor when everybody's freaked out and then they calm down, you make a lot of money.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 you know, yeah, and emotions can be subtle, right? That we just saw, yeah. we saw extreme emotions on both sides. There was extreme emotion to the upside in January, and then you saw extreme short-term emotion to the downside in February. But every other month of the year, there's still emotion. It's just subtle.
0: Right. right. So, you know, I make, I, this is, when I try to understand something, I always go to the extremes. Yeah. And if you want to know the extremes of selling options premium. And theta and how theta works, or or whether it's actually theta or 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 fear or what it is, I could say, what if I told you that you know we had a, a uh, an April thirty expiration option and there was absolutely no chance of the market moving a single penny for the net till that time? Mm-hmm. There was no fear of that. Nobody thought the market was going to go up. Nobody had, was afraid the market was going to go down. There was absolutely no fear. How much time premium is in that option? None. Nothing. <laughs> None. Not a single penny because there's no fear or greed associated with that option, right? Maybe you, you can say, well, there's an interest rate thing, right? Very, very minute, tiny, tiny, tiny amount, right? Maybe there's a dividend. Very, very, very new. I mean, you can bring in these crazy things. But the reality is there's not a penny of extrinsic value in that option because there's no fear. There's no greed behind it. All this stuff is your theta your applied volatility all those numbers are, are something that's made up for the purpose of creating a model and they're readings of the results of the price of the option that's driven by fear and greed so when you come right down to it all your virtually all your profit is derived from fear and greed right that's the bottom line and you can measure it via your theta number via your volatility number via everything else but ultimately, it's the fear and greed that's making those profits. Um, one other question here that we have quickly, and then we'll just, well, I guess we'll close up. Let's see if we have more to say, Stephen. But um, um, What psychological content is in the course? Um, I will make a comment on that, and I'll let you make a comment on that, Stephen. All my more advanced-level classes, I sprinkle psychological lessons throughout the class. So, so realistically, I try to make everything about psychology. There's a lot of psychology relative to what the participants in the market are thinking. There's a lot of psychology as to how you're trading. And um, there's a lot of psychology going on when we start actually doing the um, real-time examples that we're doing. right? Uh, and, and I sprinkle it in throughout the, the program. You know, that said, I don't remember specifically if there was anything that stood out from a psychology standpoint, Stephen. Maybe you Yeah, have no.
1: Been. Yeah, I think it was subtle and you know, one thing I could point to that, that was in, you know, one of my learnings was this whole open up your mind. I mean, that's a psychological thing because I didn't realize, at least and I'm just speaking for me, that I had these sort of um, invisible constraints. You know, it's gotta be negative vague, it gotta be positive theta, got gotta kinda lean at neutral. I had that constraint in my mind and that caused me a certain level of angst. And now I've now I'm able to sort of banish that because I know that I can do a totally different configuration or I can take that configuration and you know dance with the market or adapt in a in a way that helps me psychologically. And I don't get as concerned or I don't get as worried or you don't you know slam your fist in the ground and say, oh, you know, this is going to be a flat month. Crap, I've only got 12 trades. Got to really get it going next month. Maybe I should increase size. And you could just – you could really get out of control with with your emotions. So I think in a subtle way or kind of a backdoor way, you know, open up your mind to all this understanding and what the possibilities
0: are. it, It sort of eases the psychology. Yeah, yeah, you know, those are excellent points, and I, I think also in the program we talk a lot about the psychology. I don't know if we, we don't, I talk about so much stuff I don't really remember, but I think we also talk about the psychology, basically, of doing trades and having them work out for a long time, and then getting overconfident and taking on too much risk yeah. to one side or the other. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, John.
1: John really, really, really drills down deep in a lot of these concepts. So, I mean, there's a lot to unpack, but, you know, there's lots of gold in there.
0: Awesome. All right. So what I'll do is I'll take this over. I'm often asked, you know, who is the ultimate income trader designed for? It's not for a newbie. Okay. If you're just starting to learn complex option spreads, I mean, find some rule sets, practice, focus, focus, focus in on how the options react and just do that for a while. It's also not for you if your strategy is to put on and hope. You know, if you say, I'm going to put on this trade every single month, no matter what, I'm going to ignore the market, I'm just going to hope that it works out. That, again, that's not for you. However, if you're trading serious money and complex option spreads or you want to modify income trades through volatility analysis or through technical analysis or through news analysis or if you want to add you know subjectivity in any way to your trading, then this is the type of program that would be great for you. I mean, if you're someone who wants to drastically improve your understanding of any income strategy. In other words, maybe you do want to trade rule-based, but you don't really, but you really want to get a thorough understanding for how it works. Doesn't matter what it is, you know, whether it be rule-based or subjective, then, then again, this is for you regardless of the type of, of income strategy. As long as it's an income strategy, it's not, not a straight directional thing, right? In the program, we cover factors that drive the extrinsic value of options, Therefore, the implied volatility of options. We discuss the players in the market, their hopes, their fears, their dreams, their desires, and how that drives prices. We dive into technical analysis, implied volatility analysis. We look at news and how they interact with each other to reveal what the combination of the factors mean. And, you know, it's all about taking your trading to the next level by recognizing and adapting to change, noticing what's happening in the landscape, and utilizing the information to truly put probabilities in your favor. Right? We want you to be able to better take advantage of opportunity to appropriately control your risk and become a better trader. So the program actually includes – so I have a four-part technical analysis primer, which some of you may have actually seen before. It's, it's, a, it's uh, similar to some of the other technical analysis courses that I have. That's included with this. It's a recording of a live two-day seminar and a workshop where we cover uh, you know, why income trading works. We do in-depth lessons on implied volatility what it is, how it works, the psychology of the market, who are the major market participants, how do they think. We talk about the Greeks, how they're affected by implied volatility. I mean, most people don't know that all the other Greeks are, are change when implied volatility changes, right? Um, how to predict changes in implied volatility, how implied volatility affects the reliability of analytical model predictions. I mean, if you, you get one thing out of this course, just – Being able to better better read or understand your analytical model is a really good thing that you can do. We talk about, you know, what's the options skew telling you? Uh, We talk about adapting to change, properly identifying risk. We have a section in negotiating orders and trade execution. We have comprehensive process for analyzing the market. We have a process for knowing market psychology based on horizontal and vertical implied volatility skews and comparing that to technicals and the news that happens to be around at the current time. Analyzing the market through cross-index analysis on multiple timeframes. Trade planning, customizing trade entries, exits, and adjustments based on charting, implied volatility, and news considerations. We have experiences, trades, and advice from some of the top students. You know, we we interact within the workshops, and and, and we talk to people, and and you get advice from some really, really great traders. Then we have our market analysis and trade planning workshop. We're doing three mission debriefs. You can learn how each team analyzed the market, you can notice how they developed a plan to trade to their objectives, you can analyze their psychology, and you can discover the results of their efforts. There's just, there's a ton of exciting content in the the course, and it's designed to help you adapt to the market regardless of the type of trading you do. So what we're doing here is we are doing an introduction to this, we're releasing it to the public today, and it's going to be. Normally at 1995 for non-member and basic members we're giving them fifty dollars off for 1945. premium members eighteen seventy, and the premium plus members, if you're a premium plus member, we're going to be doing it for sixteen ninety-five. And if you are a non-member and you want to figure out where to get this, you can come to our main website, go under programs. It's actually under learn SPX Income Trades and it's Ultimate Income Trader Workshop. And you can go here. If you are a member, a premium plus or a premium member, then this will go, you'll want to go to, in the community, sign into the community so that you can get the right page and go into your discounts page. Your, for example, your premium discount here, premium members, and then we have um, for our premium plus members. So that's how you get a hold of that. And, um I don't know you have any last comments, uh, Stephen? No, I would just
1: say you know at the end of the day, th- this
0: program—it's
1: it, the ultimate.
0: It pulls it all it, together. It does pull a lot together. I just got a question: Is it similar to the M twenty one program? And in a way, it has some similarities to the M twenty one program because my market—we did the M twenty one program when uh, two thousand fifteen, maybe. And, fifteen or fourteen? Yeah. You no, know, fourteen, and my market. In other words, we're not – this is not in the context of the M3, the bearish butterfly, and the rock trade. That's what the M21 is. It kind of does it in that. And the M21 talks mainly about technical analysis and my process for doing technical analysis. All that is included in this class, but it's been updated from another three years of experience or four years of experience, however long it's been. And we're also taking into account news and uh, volatility analysis also when we do that type of stuff. And there's a lot of extra content, too. I mean, you've, had, you've yeah. been through both classes, too. Yeah, I
1: mean, it, it, the big difference is it, the added component is it kind of takes M21 and it adds IV and IV skew. So it's kind of like that third dimension that I talked about, and not only the pricing and the T plus airline, line. It brings in more variables than there's just in the M21. It brings in all the variables, and the, and you find that all in this program.
0: Plus the trade plans we put together are completely they're non-restricted. They can be broken right. like butterflies, they can be anything, yeah, Right? They can be in the you know, you can be under the tent, you can be outside the tent, you can be negative theta, you can be positive vega. We talk about, you know, different ways to adjust stuff depending on how volatility is and all kinds of stuff like that. So lots of cool stuff. All right. Well, thank you. And I, I appreciate everybody spending the time with us. Thank you, Stephen, for coming on and sharing your thoughts. Yeah. Appreciate thank you. you. And uh, you know, happy trading everybody. And we will talk to you soon.